Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. Thank you for joining me. Awesome show planned for you today. Uh, I got so much I want to unpack today that I'm going to be quick with the introduction of T.J. Moe. Round of applause, T.J. Moe in studio with us today. Uh, you won't be hearing much from T.J. Uh, in this initial uh, segment because I got a lot I got to say. I got a fire starter that I want to unpack that's going to define the entire conversation of this show. Uh, Royce White and Dave Shannon are going to join TJ and I at the after I set this fire starter. Um, buckle up. Uh, I'm, I'm going to circle back. I'm going to connect what we went on in the house yesterday with Matt Gates. And, and his group and the unseating of Kevin McCarthy. I'm going to connect all of that to what I talked about on Monday, about our need to make our voices heard. Uh, this is going to be a great, incredible show. I need you all pounding the like button right now so we can fight the algorithm, so we can get this show out to as many people as possible. If you're listening over Apple, I need you to give us that five-star review and write a comment, write a review of this show if you're listening over Apple. It's very important. This is how we fight the algorithm. You leave a comment on YouTube. Tell me what you think of these, what we're talking about today. You hit the like button, you share it with friends. Go tell your friends and family to come and watch this show. It's going to be incredible. I wanna first and foremost take care of uh, one of our primary sponsors, the organization uh, we love uh, greatly, Preborn. You guys know that it's part of our fearless mission here uh, to end and fight the abortion culture that we have going on here in America. And it's our belief, it's our worldview that life begins at conception. It begins in the womb. If the actions you take while a baby is in the womb impact that baby. If you read a book to a baby while he's in the womb, he's going to be, he or she will be smarter and, and it'll be easier for him to read when they come outside the womb. If that's true, if the actions that we take while the baby's inside the womb, how can you tell me that there's no life inside the womb and that life doesn't begin until birth? That's a fallacy. That's a myth. Life begins at conception. No one supports that worldview and that belief better than preborn. Preborn provides expectant mothers who are considering abortion, they provide them an ultrasound. That ultrasound introduces that baby's heartbeat <clears throat> and the image of that baby to the expectant mother. She is now twice, three times more likely to choose life. And that's when preborn really steps up and steps in and starts supporting that woman through her pregnancy and then after the birth of that child for the next two years of that baby's life, preborn is right there helping provide that mother the things she needs to get that baby's life off to a great start. Our money, the money that we give to preborn, funds, ultrasounds, it does not fund mid-level management executives who are overpaid 
<coughs> it forms, it, it funds <coughs> ultrasounds. It goes directly to supporting life. So whether you give $28, whether you give $10,000 or $28,000 or $5 or $2, it all goes towards the proper cause. There's two ways to give, <coughs> pound 250 on your phone, say the keyword baby, or you can do it my preferred method, preborn.com slash Jason. That's preborn.com slash Jason. Guys, this is part of our fearless mission to support life in the womb. Preborn is a great way to do it when you do it. Send me an email uh, letting me know. I love to hear that. It inspires me. It makes me get up every day and want to do the best show possible. Thank you so much. You can email me at fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. Uh, now, with uh, having taken care of Dan Steiner and our great friends at Preborn, I can now uh, take care of you guys by entertaining you uh, with a fire starter. Uh, so, uh, Justin, uh, play the music. Let's get rolling here. Righteousness has never needed a majority to be heard and win. We should not be surprised that it only took eight Republicans to bring down Kevin McCarthy, the Speaker of the House, the man third in line for the presidency. Let's call them the Gatesful Eight, the small band of House Republicans that Florida's Matt Gates convinced to speak and act on behalf of the people who voted them into office rather than acquiesce to the corrupt status quo. I'm grateful for their courage. Gates, Tim Burchett, Andy Biggs, Ken Buck, Eli Crane, Nancy Mace, Matt Rosendale, and Bob Good made history Tuesday afternoon. They held McCarthy accountable for selling out the voters who empowered him, for cutting deals with the uniparty establishment that chooses to ignore and silence the concerns of half of America. Removing McCarthy as Speaker of the House was an act of righteousness. It gives voice to the voiceless. It's the most significant political act of defiance since the election of Donald Trump in 2016. So let me be clear. I'm not calling Trump or the Gatesful Eight righteous. They're not. None of us are. They're unrighteous tools who occasionally allow themselves to be used to speak and act in the best interest of the people the establishment wants to exploit, oppress, and remove. The political, corporate, and ideological globalists have demonized American nationalists and the working class through fear, medical tyranny, well-organized acts of domestic terrorism, and election fortifying. They've stripped us of fundamental freedoms and our ability to push back against government overreach. If we protest in public, the establishment's FBI informants agitate violence and we get sent to jail. The establishment stopped Christians from attending church, tricked us into wearing masks, defined citizens with traditional patriotic values as racist, opened our southern border to criminals and sanctioned sexualizing and confusing children about their gender. They took our tax money and funneled it to Ukraine. They're baiting Russia into a nuclear conflict. The pharmaceutical companies and the BLM, LGBTQIA alphabet mafia dictate and manipulate what can be discussed on public platforms. That's why I'm so grateful to the Gatesful Eight. 
Sometimes I fall into cynicism. I start to believe America's problems are unfixable and that the rise of secularism and Marxism cannot be thwarted. The Gatesville Eight reinvigorated me. They made me think of Gideon, his army of 300, and the Book of Judges. What happened in the House Tuesday reminded me that for righteousness to win, it does not need numbers. It only needs a small band of men and women willing to trust and obey God. This morning, I reread the story of Gideon and how he saved Israel from the Mennonites with trumpets and lanterns. The Mennonites had 135,000 soldiers. Israel had 32,000. Israel was plagued by idolatry, the worship of false gods. Their idolatry caused their children to do evil in the sight of the Lord. God allowed the Mennonites to conquer and oppress Israel. God first instructed Gideon to tear down the places where the Israelites worshiped Baal and false gods. Gideon obeyed, but he was scared. He tore down the altars at night, hoping he wouldn't be recognized. The Israelites wanted to kill Gideon. His father had to plead for his son's life. After surviving tearing down the places of idol worship, God then instructed Gideon to release every Israeli soldier who was scared. 22,000 soldiers went home. God said 10,000 was still too many. He told Gideon to take them to a river and have them drink water. He said, send the soldiers home that got on their knees and lapped the water like dogs. Only 300 soldiers used their hands to drink the water. With those 300 men, Gideon defeated the Mennonite army. The noise from the trumpets and the light from the lanterns confused the Mennonites. They started fighting amongst themselves. They started killing themselves and then retreated. The point is obvious. We don't need numbers to be heard. We don't need numbers to win the good versus evil battle transpiring in America. We need to obey God. We need to be strategic, smart, and bold. Our nation is plagued by idolatry. On Monday, I wrote a column and talked about how the left is using Taylor Swift and Deion Sanders to completely convert the NFL into a platform that promotes secular and liberal values. Swift and Sanders are idols that advance radical materialism, the matriarchy, abortion, and pop culture debauchery. I explained that football was built by Christian conservatives and had been an institution that encouraged patriotism, respect for the military and law enforcement, and religious faith. I argued that we should not surrender professional and college football to the left. I offered a way for us to fight back. I suggested we use American television's largest platform, the Super Bowl, as a tool to elevate our voices on a multitude of issues. We're being silenced. We can't gather to protest. Corporate and social media platforms diminish and or ban our voices. Most politicians refuse to speak for us. Mail-in ballot harvesting has made our elections unreliable and untrustworthy. Let's boycott the Super Bowl. Let's damage Super Bowl TV ratings as a means to draw attention to illegal immigration, transgenderism, 
the political weaponization of the Department of Justice, the unfair over-prosecution of January 6th defendants, COVID tyranny, the lack of election integrity, the illegality of the Federal Reserve System, diversity, equity, and inclusion destroying merit, the military, and education, the rampant lawlessness in major cities, the World Economic Forum, and their ESG initiative. I could go on and on and on. The Bud Light boycott worked. It put a scare into the global corporate forces transitioning America to communism. Super Bowl Sunday is the perfect day to express our dissatisfaction with the Uniparty and the corporations that fund our political elites. It's a way to make our voices heard. We need a handful of conservative content creators to mimic the courage of the Gatesville Eight. And we could launch an event that speaks for the voiceless and allows us to make demands of the establishment. This is what the left has been doing for decades. They threaten boycotts to shake down the powers that be. We can do the same. Let's do it Super Bowl Sunday. That's my fire starter. I want to elaborate a bit more. And, and I know I've, I've heard the minority of people that, <clears throat> you know, complain, but they, the, the minority loves to squeak. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. They're, oh, Jason, you're talking too much about Deion Sanders. And, and what I'm really talking about is going over their heads. I'm talking about idolatry. I'm talking about the worship of false gods and how dangerous it is. And, and, and it sends me back to the Bible. And I'm so glad that I spent some of last night and a lot early this morning reading the book of Judges and reminding myself and, and, and re-educating myself on the story of Gideon and what was going on in Israel. I suggest I'm going to take the time now over the next few days to read and fully understand the entire book of Judges because it's all about what idolatry does, the worship of false gods, and how it tricks you into and tricks your children into doing evil in the sight of God. It, it is so crystal clear that they've put all of these idols that we worship and, and I'll say some names that will irritate you all and get you upset, but, but it, it's a reflection of your idol worship. It's a reflection of your dangerous idolatry. Kobe Bryant, all of this idolatry around Kobe Bryant, a dead basketball player, God rest his soul. But all this worshiping and genuflecting and acting like, oh, protecting Kobe Bryant and his reputation is the most important thing in the planet. Taylor Swift, her Swifties and groupies, Beyonce and the Beehive. And now what we're seeing with, with, with Deion Sanders. All of this worshiping of false gods and you wonder why you can't hop on any of these social media platforms without seeing our children doing evil in the sight of God and everyone else? It's the idolatry. It's, it's taking us on a path straight to hell. 
everything that you see going on in this country that you don't like and that you know is wrong and bad, it's directly connected to America's idolatry. We're making the exact same mistake that they made in Israel. And, and, and the book of Judges explains how like, they just kept doing it over. They, God would send someone to fix it. The person that fixed it would die. And then they would fall right back into idolatry. Over and over, just kept repeating it. And, and so th then he, God's like, let me let the Mennonites take over and starve these people and totally conquer them. He did that to make us be dependent upon him. He's the only solution. When we start depending on and thinking, oh, Dion's going to fix it, or Taylor Swift, or Kobe Bryant, or even Donald Trump, he wants us dependent on him. He wants us obedient to him. And, and I'm not calling any of these people, and I said it in the original monologue, I'm not calling any of these people perfect or even righteous. But it's incredible who God will use to see his will done. Gideon was not perfect. This man was scared. But he was obedient. When God said, hey, man, they got all these little sanctuaries and uh, altars, worshiping Baal, destroy them. And, and Gideon knew what would happen. He would be reviled for criticizing, destroying their idols. He knew he would be reviled and he knew he risked death. And so he went and destroyed them at night out of fear, hoping he could get away with it. He couldn't. They wanted to kill him. His dad had to plead for his life. And so I don't want anybody to think that I'm comparing myself to Gideon. But I am trying to read the Bible and follow the examples set there. And so, yes, this show spends a lot of time destroying idols and pointing out the foolishness and, and what, they're, what they're really advancing, the agendas they're really advancing. And I can already hear, well, what about Trump? Is Trump an idol? Yes. No question. What's he advancing that I'm strongly objecting to? I know the man is flawed. I know he's got a sinful nature. I know he speaks disrespectfully to people. But is he front and center like a Taylor Swift promoting abortion? Is he Travis Kelsey? To some degree, he is. And that's where I give uh, uh, Steve Dace and these others credit promoting the vaccine. I don't have a problem with Steve Dace and other people uh, ripping Donald Trump for still promoting the vaccine. But overall, th this guy is a presidential candidate who speaks for a group of people who have no voice in this country. Deion Sanders does not speak for a group of people that have no voice in this country. The whole Black Lives Matter crowd and who, who are all, 
Their voice is amplified to the millionth degree. The, the, the rappers, their voice has been amplified to the millionth degree. The whole LGBTQ agenda has been amplified to the millionth degree. They got the loudest voices. The whole alphabet mafia has the loudest voices. The, 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 the immoral depravity that's thrown down our face, thrown in our faces anytime we turn on the TV, anytime we hop on the social media, anytime we try to listen to music, that's all amplified to the millionth degree. The group of people that are like, hey man, they have sent our jobs and our way of life overseas. They've sold out the working class, the people that survived off manufacturing jobs. They've sold us out. Those group of people have no voice in this country right now other than Trump. And that's why they cling on to it. And it doesn't matter how much money I make or have made, my roots are manufacturing and working class. I'm never going to sell them out. And I don't care if they don't understand what I'm doing. I got many people in my family that worked in factories and whatever, and they're older and, and they think I'm crazy because they don't know who actually speaks for them, who actually is trying to be a voice for them. They're so caught up in idolatry, so caught up in their television, so caught up in beating the evangelical white alleged supremacists that they can't see what's really going on. And so I'm going to take all of these bullets. You can hate me. You can revile me. You can kill me. I'm going to take these bullets to say what I believe and know is right. Our idolatry is killing us and killing this country. And it's why our kids are so vulnerable. It's why they have drag queens at schools, why they're promoting the mutilation, the mutilation of children through gender affirming surgery. It's how they uh, uh, just. We're sitting here watching the Uniparty, Republicans and Democrats, both sides. The political elites are sitting back while thousands of illegal immigrants, many of them criminals, walk through our southern border and no one pushes back. No one pushes back, not, not in a real way. There was one guy that was talking about building a wall and he got a lot of resistance for that. We're sitting back and watching them take our tax dollars as inflation tears away your livelihood, your way of living. You go to the grocery store and eggs cost $5 a dozen and, and, and meat is more expensive. Everything's more expensive. And they keep taxing you and taxing you and taxing you and sending your tax dollars to Ukraine. These people don't speak for you. They don't speak for us. And so there's this little small band of eight people 
that I'm sorry, I'm not saying I endorse everything about them, but they are attempting to speak for you. They're trying to speak for the people that actually voted them into into office. And so what I'm trying to do is speak for you. And this whole idea of of boycotting the Super Bowl is just another unique, strategic, bold way to amplify your voice, to amplify your concerns. If you're justifiably uncomfortable with every illegal immigrant on the planet just being able to walk through our southern border, and you're frustrated that your politicians won't draw a line in the sand and do something about it, and you realize that they've basically illegalized you publicly protesting about it. If we had a rally where everybody got together and said, hey, man, we're going to go out and protest this illegal immigration, they would rig it up, they would plant some informants from the FBI in there to make sure some sort of violence happened. Then they would plant some people in there and call them, oh, look, at there's the Oath Keepers, there's the KKK, there's the Proud Boys. Just make up some names, throw it on them, and say, oh, yeah, this is a group of racists. And then they throw us in jail. And that's why we can make our voices heard, as we did with Bud Light, through a Super Bowl protest. They have taken over football, the other side, and they're using that platform to promote everything they want to promote. LGBTQ, vaccines, Black Lives Matter. They got the Ukraine flag on the back of Jets' helmets. They're t- everything that they want to promote, every way that they want to exploit you, they're using football to do it. And I'm giving us the opportunity to use football to advance our narrative, our voice, our agenda. If we can damage football ratings, trust me, all corporate America will take notice and reconsider, hey, should we really be doing this in football? Should we, oh, people are really fed up. And by, and by that, that's why I'm, I'm asking for, because Matt Gates, he couldn't do what he just did alone. And what I'm suggesting, I can't, it can't just be the fearless army. It can't just be us. And that's why I'm asking you. I wrote a column today about the Gates 48. I need you all to find it on the internet and send it to every person, every conservative content creator you can think of. Send it to them and ask them to join us. Not not join me, this isn't about Jason Whitlock, this is about us. Using the Super Bowl to amplify our voice, to put our concerns front and center. We can have events. I've already reached out to some people and there's been some enthusiasm. I'm not going to call their name, but there's been some enthusiasm from some key Christian conservative content creators. But we need more. Again, we don't we we don't need one hundred thousand. 
We need 300, just like Gideon had. We can get about 300 conservative content creators to join up together and let's counter program the Super Bowl and let's promote a boycott of the Super Bowl. Let's try to reduce Super Bowl ratings by 10, 15%. That will scare corporate America. That will make corporate America say, hey, uh, the people are fed up with us financing. Because corporate America is financing our conversion, our transition to Marxism and communism. Corporate America is supporting and financing uh, what's going on at the border, what's going on with COVID, what's going on in our education system, what's going on with diversity, equity, and inclusion. Corporate America is destroying the meritocracy. Corporate America is, is, is putting your job and career in jeopardy. Corporate America is making it so you can't rely on your work ethic and talent to advance your career and your family. Because they got some little quota system like, hey, we got to put a gay here. We got to put a black woman there. We got to put a, 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 a transgender person here. And so what you do, your excellence, your work ethic, your values are being diminished and devalued in this country because of corporate America. They're paying for this, this whole ESG thing and these quotas that they're dictating. This whole move towards globalism, they sent your jobs overseas. They're going, <laughs> they want you to own nothing, eat bugs, and be happy. That's not an exaggeration. That's the path they have us on. And so we have to find unique ways to push back. Ways that won't put us in jail. What Matt Gates and these guys did, they're not going to jail. Everybody's mad at them, and they'll be mad at me and us for fighting back but it's worth it. It's, it, 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 it. it's worth it. And so we don't need, they can have the numbers. We just have to do what's right. And we just have to be strategic and bold. And when I sit here and think about Gideon and some trumpets and lanterns, that's all it took to destroy an army of 135,000? That if, if you pray and ask God for a solution, he'll deliver. And so th this is all I've been thinking about. I mean, for not a week or two weeks, this is all I've been thinking about for three years when I left corporate media. How can I be involved with something that gives voice to the ignored and silenced voices in America? How, how can I amplify the voices of believers? How can I use myself? How can I be a tool in God's mission? Been thinking about this and, and working towards this for three years. And, and just going to bed every night. What, what can I do today? Again, there's other things I ask for. 
you know, I, every how can I avoid McDonald's? I certainly asked for that, and and I've been successful now for two years. It's been great, and and <laughs> you know, I I think I've spent seven eight years out of a strip club, and I ask for that every day because it's hard. But I've, <laughs> streaks alive. It, it's it, it's incredible. But I've been asking for a way to elevate our voices. And, and I think I believe in this solution, this idea, as it relates to the Super Bowl. We can get their attention and we can scare them. Just, just think about what they have done for decades. They take some clown like Al Sharpton and he threatens a boycott. Jesse Jackson, he threatens a boycott. Then he makes some demands, and they give it to him. We can shake them down, too, from the other direction. We can threaten a boycott, and we can boycott and then make demands. And again, I, I'm not, I haven't, I'm waiting to get others on board before I start saying, hey, let's make this demand, that demand. What, I want it to be a group effort and a consensus of like, hey, what are we asking for here? I mean, because some of the things I want are, are halfway silly. Uh, but, you know, I just on a fun note and we'll go to break and bring uh, <laughs> Royce into this conversation and TJ. But <laughs> yesterday I had this whole deal like, yeah, I think one of my demands is going to be that uh, we get to uh, decide all of the Super Bowl entertainment for 2025. I'm like, yeah, I'll have uh, Tony Evans and maybe John MacArthur, they'll do the pregame prayer. Uh, Tasha Cobb, she'll sing the national anthem. Uh, Halftime performance will feature, you know, Maverick City music or uh, <laughs> Kirk Franklin doing stomp. Uh, Tosh will be back out there doing break every chain. It's like, yeah, we get to decide. Larry Fleet, he'll, I'll have him out there singing. That's where I find God. Oliver Anthony, I'll make him, <laughs> make him have him sing Richmond, North of Richmond at halftime. I mean, that's the, I, I literally, I, someone's gonna have to talk me out of this demand, but literally, and that's, that's like, yeah, we get to program Super Bowl entertainment. We, we, you, you've put every demon you can think of out there in front of us for 30 years. Let us put some of our people out there. Let's platform Jesus at halftime rather than the devil. How about that demand? That, that's just, again, there's more serious demands or whatever. But anyway, I just wanted to lighten things up a bit. I need you all to share this Firestarter, share the column I've written, tweet people, DM people, email people, wh whatever conservative Christian content creator you can think of. I need you to con contact them and ask them to consider getting on board with the Super Bowl boycott. All right, uh, 
Continue to email me, and I've been getting a lot of emails, fearlessblazeshow at gmail.com. I appreciate it. Some of it's good. Some of the suggestions are bad. We'll only focus on the good ones. Uh, but uh, stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Royce White, Royce White next. It's my obligation to hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. Previously on Fearless. If I'm asked, um, I am absolutely proud of my, and I know you don't like that word, I'm so proud of my black side and my white side. I'm proud of how I am made. The courage that my parents had in 1970 and 71, coming off the civil rights era, when this, that interracial thing, that, that was a problem within their own families. So what I've gone through is nothing. It's the least I can do is to stand up for both of my parents and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm so blessed to have been born into this family based on what they went through, the courage it took and the strength to stay together. October is 52 years. Are you kidding me? Time for some Royce White, TJ, uh, yesterday when this whole thing went down in the house and they vacated Kevin McCarthy. Royce was one of the first people I called. We were like, how big of a deal is this? What, 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 what do we think here? Wow, this is bold. Uh, so Royce, I'll just start there. Yeah. How big of a deal is this? This is the most important thing to happen in American politics since, since Donald Trump was elected. Let's say that. But it's one of the most significant things that happened in politics in my lifetime. What? That's a mouthful. TJ, you agree? I mean, Donald Trump got elected in 2016. This is bigger than that. Um, it's it's comparable. It's comparable. And the reason why I say that is because Donald Trump being elected was was certainly a um, was certain certainly a huge strike against the uniparty and uniparty politics, which is the most dangerous and pervasive thing in American politics and maybe the most dangerous and pervasive political uh, establishment or mechanism in the entire world. Um, but, but we still hadn't had that dissent from within the House chamber, from within the other branches of government. And um, I think the vote yesterday, and d despite Matt Gates's success in, in clipping McCarthy, I think the vote was telling that you still have a very strong uniparty uh, sort of uh, momentum or, or energy or stronghold in the House. Um, so the uniparty is the most dangerous thing, and this is the first real uh, obstruction of, of uniparty politics and kick-the-can spending uh, in, in American history. <laughs> so it's the first he time a speaker's ever been... Yeah, first time a speaker's ever been vacated, certainly. But TJ, how big of a deal? Oh, it feels like a huge deal. And, and where I think I agree with Royce is the Trump thing was the American people saying this is enough. We've never actually had a representative in the House. We, they, they tell us all these campaign promises. Here's what I'm going to do. We're going to go do it. And nobody ever does it. 
And finally, we had somebody stand up and say, look, I'm listening to my constituents. I don't need all you special interests. I don't know if you saw the moment. It was one of the worst moments, perhaps, on the floor um, from a, a perspective of how it would be viewed by people. When he said, you guys have your special interests and lobbyists, they all booed him. And he's like, go ahead and boo all you want. I'll take my $30 donations all day long, every day, because I care about my constituents and not these special interests. And, and that's the whole deal. I mean, McCarthy takes his four or $500 million, he divvies it out and he controls everything. And Matt Gates said, that's enough of that. We're not playing this game anymore. It, it, it sounds like what you and TJ are arguing, Royce, is that like, there's eight Donald Trumps loose in the House. <laughs> and and that's yeah. better than just one Donald Trump loose in the White House. Uh, it, it's he's he's spawned some offsprings. Well, Matt Gates proved two very important points yesterday. Number one, a few courageous men or women, a few courageous people uh, make a huge difference. And and number two, that the unit party is vulnerable, and and you know the 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 beast is wounded, so to speak. And yeah, these eight patriots, although small in number. Um, we're able to get McCarthy ousted, which is a big deal, and and they're going to continue to be able to to wreak havoc in the House. And if and if nothing else, um, they are placing a referendum on the House of Representatives for American people to witness. They're they're putting it in the spotlight, as we like to say in in the public, you know, in the, with public figures and celebrities everywhere. Now we always talk about platforms and and spotlight. Uh, they're putting a huge spotlight on how the Uniparty works. And they're making people go on the record. Yesterday was just as much uh, was just as important for the roll call uh, for the the referendum on this CR bill and, and reckless spending as it was getting McCarthy out. And Matt Gates is, it, did a brilliant job. This was a brilliant move. And it, I don't mind that we use the Democrats to to vote McCarthy out. I think putting the the, the Democrats on on uh, on roll call is is important as well. So this is how politics is really supposed to work in America. And you see the rejection of Matt Gates from many of the House members and the whole mainstream media because they don't want politics to work how our founding fathers uh, intended it to. Well, they want it to work in the way they've been comfortable, where they control everything. They can sell out very easily to corporate interests and, and whatever the WEF or World Economic Forum, whatever they're told. And, and that's what so excites me, but, yeah. but also I'm wondering how this is going to play out. Will, will other, do you think more people will join them or will uh, these guys get picked off one by one? And, and but, but I don't know, the toothpaste may be out of the bottle. I don't know if you can get it back in. Well, you know, I'll say this. Our founding fathers wrote our founding documents, um, starting from the worst case scenario for government and, and working our way back into sane policy. You know, prepare for the worst, hope for the best. A sentiment like prepare for the worst and hope for the best in American politics today and, or in the mainstream media culture is seen as conspiracy theory, which is so odd to me. Um, and I say that to, to, to make this point, um, ideally in hoping for the best, Matt Gates and these other eight people will ha give permission to the rest of the house representatives, uh, to, to be more forthright and honest in their representation of American, the American people. However, 
and, and you saw that from the CR bill vote. I think I think people got to understand there's two different layers of, of things that happened in this last couple of weeks. The CR spending bill, which McCarthy helped kick the can on, there was a split in the House almost completely, not completely, but but almost 96 to 120 or something like that. So there were 96, uh, you know, patriots there in the House that were at least willing to put a kibosh on the spending continuance. Once the spending continuance was done and then Matt Gates introduced ousting McCarthy, you saw a different type of sentiment towards the whole the whole America first rhino uniparty split. And many people weren't willing to go as far as to get rid of McCarthy. And, and that's that's telling. That's not nothing. And it speaks to the 96 and what they did a week back with the spending bill. So ideally, this eight these eight people and their success will give permission to the rest but but if nothing else, I think uh, Matt Gates and the rest of these eight have have consciously gone into this, knowing they may in fact be sacrificial lambs for the American people to get a better a better a, a more clear view of of their representatives, which is honorable. What percentage? Well, I think it's a larger percentage than that I'm giving credit for. Understand it on the level that you just explain because there is so much hate to use their word misinformation and disinformation being sold to them you turn on cnn msnbc heck you can even turn on fox news and people is oh chaos this is this is the worst thing to ever happen these people are are out of control they refuse to be i kept i read in the new york times or maybe the washington post one of them they refuse to be governed and, and, and I'm just like, no, no, no. They actually want their elected officials to represent them. That's what governing is. And they're describing, no, these people, they refuse to be governed. But I'm, I'm trying to figure out, are people getting the message? Because if I'm living somewhere and my representative uh, isn't on board with Gates and these people, I would have some questions for them and be yeah. like, hey, hey, what's what's going on here? We have a chance to actually have things work properly and, and you're not willing to draw a line in the sand along with Gates and these other seven people. Do, do people well, understand? Do you think it's cutting through? Well, well let's, let's explain it to them. I'll help explain it to them. Well, number one, yes, on average, people know that something's gravely wrong. Uh, do they know exactly what... Maybe not. Are they still? Uh, uh, um, are they still uh, caught down in the weeds with with propaganda? A lot of times, yeah, distracted. Racial animus is as high as it's ever been, in my opinion. Maybe not. Maybe not as high as it was in a previous time, but certainly there, it, there's a widespread dissemination of racial animus. So that's that's definitely getting in the way. But but let's let's break it down for people. Imagine I'm a credit card repair service. I call you, cold call you, and say, hey, I can repair your credit. I can get rid of uh, old derogatory marks. I can dispute any claims that you think are illegitimate. I can uh, consolidate your debt. I can op- help you open up new cars that can help you build new credit and, and restore your, your credit score to a healthy score. I end up, in effect, doing none of those things. And as payment, not only do I charge you for the service to, to, to go on about this adventure to help you repair your credit, but I also take out a credit card in your name and run up the credit card and don't pay it back. So when I hear these people like on Fox News or CNN 
or some of these House representatives, uh, House representatives or in the Senate talk about the full faith and credit of the American people as a means to justify continuing to destroy the, the credit of the American people, it boggles my mind. I mean, it's just astounding that the, the level of misinformation and brainwashing and distraction in this country is so profound. These people could actually destroy our credit and, and promote um, protecting our credit at the same time. And that's what they've done. And, and so, you know, when you live in a debt society, I've talked about it before on the show, but, but I'll try and explain it again. When you live in a debt society, there are two nearly inevitable outcomes. Uh, and I say nearly because I don't preclude miracles, but, but effectively one outcome is the debt, the debt gets so high that nations, uh, nations, governments and their leaders become extremely distrusting of their own position on the global stage and distrusting of other governments, and eventually you go to war. Uh, that's scenario A. Scenario B is the debt gets so high, the debt is so unconstrained, that uh, it, it justifies a recreation and restructuring of the entire monetary system. We just so happen, unironically, we just so happen to be living in a time where both things are happening simultaneously. We're hurling towards world war with Russia and China, and we are going towards a central bank digital currency. And, and so, you know, what Matt Gates is, is stepping up and saying, and, and this was the whole dispute about the CR bill, everybody's been roped into this scam with the federal government because of the sheer size of the federal government. Every time the federal government and its, and its effectiveness is called into question, the, the politicians there who work for the corporatocracy say, we can't shut down. How can we shut down? Look how many janitors there are that work in D.C. alone. These working class people aren't going to have paychecks. And, and look, the American nationalist populist movement is as pro-working class as you possibly can be. But we're not, what we're not going to do is let the elites, the global elites, use the working man to justify destroying the credit of the American people. That's an inappropriate, that, that's a non-starter. And, and so a lot of people who even promoted themselves as conservatives in the past have been unwilling to draw this, this hard line. Matt Gates, the other yesterday... Uh, he, he threw down on a very dangerous cultural norm. And I, I wrote about it in my Substack uh, this morning or last night. I released it in, in a letter to the Congress because I am running for Senate. So I felt uh, obligated to speak to the, to the Congress on this issue. But um, Matt is saying or, or he threw down on a, a status quo that says no matter how immoral or moral, no matter how effective or ineffective, no matter how solvent or insolvent, the federal government must continue. The show must go on. Uh, and they've only been able to do that because the American people are busy with other things. This show is out of control. We're $33 trillion in debt. We're paying a trillion dollars in interest a year. A trillion dollars is half of the military, the defense budget of $2 trillion annually. We're paying more and we're paying half in interest that we, I mean, and we're just borrowing it. You know, if you borrow money to build up your own manufacturing base and to become an equity society, if we wanted to use the Fed, and you know I'm as critical of the Fed as anybody, if we wanted to use the Fed in a nationalist mindset, an America first policy approach, we could use the Fed, which is backstopped by the American military, um, to, to print money to help America be a productive nation where we actually build things, where we have independence and, and, uh, uh, and self-sufficiency. We do the opposite. We pay, we use the Fed to print money to pay our bills to operate, and then we send those, uh, th that operating money abroad, mostly to China, but now to the Ukraine as well. It's lunacy.
Royce and TJ, I want to bring y'all both into this because I did Monday's show solo and, and talked about, and I restated it again today, about why I think we have an opportunity here to use the Super Bowl to platform a lot in a big way a lot of the things that you talk about, Royce, and that we talk about on this show. And I know, Royce, uh, at, at some points, you've been frustrated with me and, and the show, and we talked about it last week, about why is Whitlock talking about Deion Sanders and mm-hmm. Deion Sanders so much, Deion Sanders so much. And, 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 and Royce, you're always, hey, that's bread and circus, that's bread and circus. But if they've moved the conversation to the bread and circus, mm. I just don't want to leave the bread and circus to them. I, I want, okay, mm. bread and circus, we'll talk about it, and we'll use the bread and circus to make our legitimate points about these massive issues that put us all at risk. And that's why I'm talking about, let's use the Super Bowl and a boycott of the Super Bowl to draw attention to and to wave our hands and shout to the like, hey man, they're trying to get us in a war with Russia and a nuclear conflict. Mm. Hey, th- this is dangerous for you and your kids. Hey, uh, they're trying to, they are, and they're not trying, they're allowing all of these illegal immigrants to come through our southern border. Your neighborhoods are less safe. Your tax dollars are being used to put them up in hotels. Uh, your, your jobs are being displaced by them. The, the, the lawlessness going on in your cities is elevating because of that. Hey, guys, uh, they're going to try another COVID pandemic and try to put masks and jam more uh, vaccines down your arm. But there's, hey, Uh, We're boycotting the Super Bowl because we don't trust the election process. There are things (laughs) that went on in that 2020 election that are crazy. And it has to be. And so I think this Super Bowl, the bread and circus, we can hijack that and turn it into a conversation that benefits us and tries to alert and educate people about what's really going on in this country that's why I don't want to just surrender the bread and circus to them because they got Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and, and everybody they can think of using the bread and circus to sell their agenda. I think we can disrupt that. And again, just like Matt Gates with eight people, just like Gideon, as I just talked about, with 300 people, we don't need numbers. We just need to be smarter than them a unique approach and be bold about it. And I think we could take the Super Bowl and make it about us. Absolutely. No, I love the idea of boycotting the Super Bowl. That that'd be that'd be a great place to start. I mean, I, I think protest I think conservatives and Christians in this country should be out in protest on mass. I don't I don't like that January sixth has discouraged them. Um I, I don't like this idea that BLM has a monopoly on 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 uh the um public demonstration uh or you know I, I don't i don't i don't agree with any of that uh i think i think the super bowl is a great place to start yes if if professional sports is the watering hole for a global corporatocracy 
then the Super Bowl is the is the biggest party at the watering hole, no doubt. And it would be a shot heard around the world if any sizable amount of people would, but for a few hours, not engage in the bread and circuses. And, and it'd be a it'd be a healthy diagnosis as well to see if people were even willing to back out of something that that's so meaningless in many ways. I mean, it really is uh, a, a meaningless cultural event. Don't don't get me wrong. I know people spend a lot of time and energy. I'm, look, I'm an athlete. So, you know, for me to sit here and say all these players that spend an entire season putting their blood, sweat and tears into the game is meaningless is is not is not uh, completely accurate either. But. When weighed against what we face right now as a nation and as citizens, I mean, the Super Bowl could be about as meaningless as you could possibly imagine. EJ, what do you what do you I haven't heard from anybody or on the show about what they think of my idea? I love it. And here's why and here's why I love the analogy to what Matt Gates just did. It's going to sow chaos, which is what we need. I the, you know, I've seen so many some of them establishment Republicans, some of them even our friend Steve Dace not complaining about what's going on. And what is the plan? I saw Ben Shapiro tweeting, "What is the plan? I don't need a plan. All I know is that's not working and I'm not dealing with it anymore." And so this culture is not working for us. So we need to sow chaos. And when we were discussing this off air, the, the whole idea is they need to take notice of us. Who hasn't taken notice of Matt Gates in the last two days? They are now listening. There's eight people who get to dictate what goes on on the House floor today because somebody had some courage. And what we're saying is it's going to take a few of us. We need chaos because chaos, everybody wants to bring things back in order. Nobody can live in long-term chaos. Eventually, we're going to have a new speaker in there, perhaps Jim Jordan, who came out today and, and uh, announced his candidacy. He's who I wanted all along. Somebody who's actually interested and moving us the right direction. That's my hope for the Super Bowl boycott. Let's create some chaos. And now they're saying, we can't live in this chaos. We just lost billions of dollars. So how do we fix this and who do we need to talk to? So the people shouting, what is the plan? What I'm telling them is the plan is is no different than the conversation Royce and I, I know we had off the air and Royce, we may have had it on the air as well. Uh, But the plan is to educate people on what the real problem is. The the reason why I'm so passionate about this is because it's the media's job to inform the public. And, and, And Thomas Jefferson, you say, hey, man, I'd rather have a free press than the government. And it was because he believed in if if the people knew the truth, they would act in their own best interest. And what they've done through the bread and circus, through their control and manipulation of the media, people don't know the truth. People don't even know what they should be concerned about. So the plan is to draw enough attention that they have to say they have to now listen to Matt Gates say, hey, here's what the problem is. And and, and they have to live on Super Bowl Sunday. Again, if we put enough great content out there, we could. Again, draw enough attention that Glenn Beck could do a show about, uh, or Royce could do a show about the Federal Reserve. I'm trying, I don't know, because I had it so perfectly in my mind, like Glenn Beck's passionate issues that he talks about all the time, mm-hmm. globalism and, and uh, New World Order. New World Order, thank you. Mm-hmm. The, the New World Order. He could do a show on the New World Order. Alex Jones show on the new world order and all the things 
Steve Days could talk about COVID. Royce could talk about the Federal Reserve. I could talk about idolatry and Black Lives Matter and try to educate people. And someone could, Tulsi Gabbard could talk about like, hey man, we're gonna have a nuclear war with Russia? Do you know what the price of that would be? Mm. People are oblivious. So the plan is to draw enough attention, create enough chaos, that we actually have an opportunity to make them talk about what's really going on. Hey, there's a price for all of this illegal immigration that your kids and grandkids and you're going to pay. There, there's a price. When you defund the police and run them out of these major cities, you wonder why violent crime and smash and grabs and, and you got, you basically, they're forcing you to shop on Amazon. They're just empowering Jeff Bezos more and more, and they're closing down these shops. So yeah. that's taking jobs. That's making you more dependent on the government. What my, my hope, the plan is to educate people on what the problem is, and then yes. once they understand the problem, then they'll be like, oh, I see what Donald Trump's talking about. I see what Matt Gates is talking about. I see what Steve Bannon is talking about. I see what Royce is talking about. Yeah. Th that's the plan, Royce. Well, first I want to say I reject, I reject on face value these people who come out and say, well, what's the plan? What's the plan? The plan is to tell people what their plan is. I mean, that's first and foremost, and that's what, you, what you're talking about is, <laughs> is that education. <laughs> um, you know, and and you know, it's 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 not. Hold on, a, Royce. That that was really that was really good because that. <laughs> I'll be here the all plan week. Is yeah. The plan is to educate you on what they're planning and what they're executing, and and again, you talk about it all the time. They want you to own nothing eat bugs, and be happy. That's the plan. And that's well, why they want you distracted and they don't want you paying attention. Yeah, and I, and I, and I, think, I think even more dangerous than that, you know, people need to understand, and this, 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 is, this is complicated, but try, try to think of the WEF as the most posh, uh, altruistic, uh, you know, white guilt sort of European Finocchio pipe dream of, of a plan that these gl evil globalist elite could possibly muster. I mean, to them, the Noah Yuval Hararis are actually the nicest version of depopulation. Yeah, they, they think that's, the, that's their humanitarian out. Because if it wasn't for the people like that, they'd just come round you up and kill you. Those are the nice guys. Those are the guys who have to come up with an, uh, an explanation and justify. I'll give you an example, okay? Because people hear that and they go, are you trying to say these are good people? No, they're just the, the, the most interested in having a uh, saving face during the extermination. And now, you know, people go, that's tinfoil hat. But think of it this way. Um, the kick the can spending by the Uniparty, right? Uh, continuing to suspend the American people and the American economy in this unstable and unsecure environment. This is an attempt to postpone um, global, global solvency issues until science can give them the solution that they're looking for, right? Their idea is that science and technology will eventually give them a fix for global bank solvency issues. And remind, remind you now, we have a four quadrillion dollar global bank debt. 
four quadrillion dollars. We have a $33 trillion national debt and we're paying a trillion dollars in interest. Imagine what the interest is on a four quadrillion dollar bank debt around the world. It's un, it's unmanageable, right? But they think that that technology and science will give them a solution. And, and they're right. That's not a scam. Science and technology will give them a solution to their bank scams. The solution won't be for you. It'll be for them. And that's what people need to understand. When they talk about automation and robotics and, and ecto farms and central bank digital currency and, and all these other strange technocratic pipe dreams, that's a solution for them. That's the ability for them to restructure the monetization of human energy and tell you, hey, in our final hour, when the bank scam has reached its height, we're going to go mine uh, rare and precious metals and resources from the moon. You're going to have your movement restricted. And so it's even more dangerous than making you eat bugs. They're just going to restrict your movement because the scam has reached a point where everybody sees it. And so that's where you're going to really see how the far, like the populist movement on the left with RFK Jr. and the populist movement on the right are going to come together and people are going to say, hey, how do these people find any ideological uh, alignment? The veil is being pulled off and we see that there's a scam much greater than the political dichotomy of Republicans and Democrats. It's called the Uniparty. I do think there's a window for us, but I don't think the window is open forever. They could, you know, right now they're winning and right now they're having a lot of success. Uh, they're a tiny bit desperate because they know there's a ticking clock and like people are starting to wake up. But yeah. again, not to, well, I don't really care. I'm not gonna apologize for harping on my idea, but I'm telling you, come February, come Super Bowl, yeah. That's the perfect time. It's the only event where basically all of America shuts down and consumes the same content. And, yes. and it's a there's and there's a reason why they've moved into the sports world, because they recognize its importance. And, and we should recognize its importance and realize that we have a way of pushing back. I, I just, <laughs> I mean, there's so many things that people, the, the way they're undermining, and again, this is where Matt Gates and, and these people are dead on the money. Yeah. The way they're undermining local law enforcement so they can federalize law enforcement. Yes. And, and, and move more control to Washington, D.C., to, again, more control to Washington, D.C. You think the police are bad now when the police are actually your next door neighbors. You might see them at the grocery, the sheriff and the people that are actually governing you from law enforcement are actually really connected to your community and you can go see them. Wait till it's the people off in D.C. pulling the puppet strings and have all the control over your freedom. It, it, it'll, it's going to look just like the Uniparty, where they're out doing the bidding, not for you, but for whatever Big Pharma. And so when Big Pharma says, hey, we got a vaccine that we need the people to take, they're going to authorize the law enforcement that they control from D.C. 
hey, go make sure that Royce and Whitlock uh, take this vaccine. And if they draw yeah. their guns, you unload yours on them. We, they just did. Who's and I, I don't say this disrespectfully because I'm fat, too. But the fat old dude out in Utah that they just blew up. Uh, oh, 75 year old man could barely move. And, and they just went in. And that was that wasn't local. I think that was the feds. Let me, uh, I need to m- make sure I'm a thousand yeah. percent correct on that. But they yeah. went in and destroyed, killed this man. Mm-hmm. That, that's what we. This is a great opportunity. I feel I don't want to. I don't want to say that. But yeah, I'm not scared to say. It. I think God put this on my heart and put this in my mind. And and yeah. maybe I'm wrong. But but that's what I feel. I've I've been looking for solutions and way to make an impact. And and anyway, I need your guy Steve Bannon to hop on board with this, Royce. Uh, I've reached out to Steve. I haven't heard back from him. Yeah, uh, but I, 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 I know I, I know I know he'll I know he'll be down to do a broadcast, and and so you're saying a a nationwide of broadcasting that's boycotting during the Super Bowl, right? So we're all broadcasting yeah. at the same people, time while the Super Bowl's playing. Yeah, and I think we would organize it in a way that there wouldn't all it wouldn't all be overlap. But yeah, across the country, we should have counter pro because the foot the Super Bowl broadcast is like six hours, eight hours. I you know right. starts on those networks about eight hours before kickoff, and and we should you know obviously start Sunday morning with worship, and then transition into online broadcast that platform five, six, seven of these key issues and and. Maybe we go down to Florida and have a big event there, but people can broadcast from where, from Nashville, from Dallas, from Minneapolis, or whatever. We all yeah. hop on Rumble. We we get Dan Bongino involved, and and we invite people. Don't watch the Super Bowl. Let's hurt their ratings. Let's hurt corporate America. Let's draw the attention of corporate America. Let's make the rest of the media have to talk about, hey man, the Super Bowl ratings dropped by twelve percent. Because, and then they're going to have to explain why. And then all those tenfold conservatives wanted to talk about nuclear war with Russia. Those tenfold conservatives wanted to talk about why all the illegal immigrants are running through our southern border. And, and make them talk about it. And, and, and yeah. they, they couldn't avoid it. And if somehow, and again, let's say they play with the Nielsen's ratings and, and say that, you know, well, Super Bowl ratings were actually up. But if we have proof on our side, they're like, no, look at these Rumble views or YouTube views or Tough, downloads man. of this podcast or, t- you know, all this. Look, because we do something on X. I would think Elon Musk wouldn't prevent us from doing Tough, something on Tough. X. Yep, yep. Yeah. So there's a way to, to rally up. Well, 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 it'll be interesting to see. Well, it'll be interesting to see whether the, the the woke NFL still makes its way to have some type of substantial partnership with X for the for the Super Bowl. But but I think you're making an important point that that the NFL Super Bowl and NFL Sunday and professional sports as a whole has kind of become a symbol of this you know this this steady progress, but but overall health of of of, of our nation. Um, and certainly the Super Bowl. You know, it's the Super Bowl is kind of like the social version of the state of the union, 
<laughs> right? It's like it's like a theater. It's like a steady, consistent theater meant to make you feel like everything's okay. I mean, just I mean, for a second, pull yourself away from what's become so normal in our American culture and just think. We're on our way to war, nuclear war, and we're going to have a Super Bowl. Just in general. I mean, imagine the idea that somewhere, someplace somewhere in the world, there are people bombing and fighting and killing each other. And, uh, you know, little children are getting artillery shelled on the front lines between Russia and Ukraine. And we're actually somewhere sitting down drinking, watching people throw a football. Now, if, if there were no wars, remember, now sports in general was meant to supplement the need for war between civilized people, right? Because men need that, that battle instinct. They need that competition. And if you don't have wars, uh, you know, your, your, your entire society just goes Finocchio. Uh, so, you, you know, sports supplements war. But when, you're, when your society is riddled with war, do we really have time for sports? I mean, this is a brilliant question. And I think your, your, your NFL boycott poses that to people. And, and we should be talking about the most important things when they want us looking at something else. Royce, uh, thank you so much uh, for the time. Great job as always. Uh, we're going to uh, get a more biblical take and perhaps go into my discussion about Gideon uh, with Dave Shannon, Chocolate Knox, uh, the Idaho Potato. He's gonna join us next. Because I don't think any of our opinions are all that controversial and no one's really got a problem with it. It's just like, oh, you're not supposed to think that way. And and, and but also just just quite honestly, uh, too many black people have bought into the race war. They, they think we're in a race war. And this is why this show I'm doing is all about like, no, you're actually in a war with yourself. Yep. And if you can't see that, if you, oh, it's this person or that person, and you're looking for all these other people, no, it's the person in the mirror that you should be at war with and, and trying to correct. All right, welcome back. Uh, let's roll out to Idaho and bring in our main man, Chalk Knox, Dave Shannon. Dave, it's uh, good to see you. Uh, I love the background. Uh, your beard looks good. Uh, Dave, I, I've, I've analogized the, the Gatesville 8 to Gideon and the, <laughs> the Gideon's army and the 300 people. And I'm, I'm making the argument that we don't actually need numbers to win and to be heard. We just need to be smart, strategic, and bold. Uh, your thoughts on my mono and column and just, I, I wanted to talk to you today just because, you know, I was going into Gideon and all of that and I just figured you'd have a great take. Oh, well, first, thank you. Uh, I think, Jason, the time you spent dealing with idolatry was really the part that had me screaming amen. Um, you know, one of the things that we forget is that Gideon and the children of Israel got into that place mainly because of their idolatrous worship. 
And we forget that that's how we end up where we are right now. Um, when you look at the end of Joshua's reign through the Bible, before Joshua took his position, God told Moses that they were going to forget him. And he said, when they forget me, they're going to have gods run them over. And he told Moses to tell the children of Israel a song to sing to their generations so that they wouldn't forget what God was going to do. And he was going to make waste with their false gods so that they would understand that he was the true God and that he was the one that was going to save them. And unfortunately, we tend to think that the idolatry that happens in our culture right now is mostly out there when the real idolatry is right here in our own camp. The children of Israel, they had to remember the true God. They were the ones that had to set God right. And as they set God right in their place, they were the ones who took over the rest of the world. When the children of Israel, Jason, were coming out of Egypt, they weren't a warrior group. They weren't a group of people who could fight. They didn't have any military in them. They, 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 they had nothing. They just had God. And God was the one who opened up the Red Sea for them, allowed them to cross over on dry land, and then he fought their enemies by drowning them in the Red Sea. And it was that type of God that sent tremors throughout the rest of the world because they knew that Israel had the true God and their God was the one that was going to conquer through them. They became afraid of Israel. And we know this because in, in Joshua chapter two, when the spies are spying out Rahab uh, or spying out Jericho and Rahab is the one who's hiding them, Rahab tells them, we heard about your God. We knew that your God was the true God because of what he did with Egypt and all of them. And so we became terribly afraid and we tremored inside of us and none of us had any hope. Now, if you think about this just for a second, Jason, that was a 40 year period of these people being able to stay in Jericho longer because the people of God didn't trust God to be able to go into the promised land. Because they said that God wasn't the true God that was going to be able to keep them after he had done all that. And I think that's kind of where we are right now, where we're being chased by our enemies. We are getting conquered by our enemies because we don't trust the true God. And our enemies should be the ones that be afraid of us because they know that God has done great thing for us. The very founding of America is the blessing of God to a group of people who feared him. We didn't have great armies and we beat great armies. We didn't have great resources and we created amazing resources. And but because we have turned our back from trusting in God, and I'll give you a great example of this. And you brought this up in your talk. And this is my only piece that I had with, there's a criticism I had of your, of your piece, Jason. It was just this one part. We did not get shut down by the government and our churches. Our churches did not shut, get shut down by the government. We shut our churches down because we feared the government instead of fearing God. We have men who are called out by God to be pastors, to be preachers, to be prophets, to lead the people and teach them what thus saith the Lord every Sunday and multiple times a week even, but for sure every Sunday. And those people who get their commission from God, who should fear God, instead fear the government, listen to the government and then shut down their doors, effectively making the government the God by which they serve. Now, if that is an idolatry, I don't know what is. And it just proves, it proves the fact that we have thought very little of God and his standards and have given off uh, any true fear of God to other false idols. And so we're kind of leading the charge in idolatry. 
Dave, I, I really love your point, and, and I love it for, for this reason. When you, when you talked about the founding of this country and, and how it was a blessing from God, our idolatry stops us from seeing that. And there's a racial idolatry that stops us from seeing that. That, that we've, the left and, and the secularists ha have so given us this idolatry of skin color that we can't see the blessing from God in America's founding. And, and, and we just went, oh my God, they had slavery and, and that ends it all and there's no other explanation for America. America's founding is evil. And, and that's again why I bring up Dion and I bring up some of these other idols because it's all based, or a lot of it, particularly for black people, it's all based in racial idolatry. It blinds us from the truth. And that's, that's why we can't see and I'm not remotely calling the MAGA people perfect because they're not. They're just as flawed as you and I are. But the MAGA people are the voiceless and the oppressed. And again, they'll hear me say that and there'll be black people, I'm not MAGA. Yes, you are, you just don't know it. You just don't know that you're actually oppressed, that they've shipped your jobs and your way of life out of this country, that they're emasculating you and, and have destroyed the black man through the idolatry of women, this putting, worshiping of women and, and worshiping of the matriarchy. It's, I'm just telling you, I'm reading the book of Judges and I'm gonna reread the whole thing over the rest of this week. Just to see Israel just make the same idolatry mistake over and over and over again, and to see us do it and not recognize like, hey man, this is why we're not making progress and getting the results that we want. It's our idolatry. It's not, th there's nothing in the Bible that says, white supremacy will rule over you and destroy your life. <laughs> it does say in the Bible, Idolatry will rule over you and cost on now. you your freedom, starve you to death, the whole nine yards. And that's what frustrates me about ministers who, instead of sticking to the word and talking about idolatry, which is spelled out specifically in the Bible, we will go to the pulpit and talk about white supremacy, which is not mentioned in the Bible at all. It, 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 it's part of the uh, idolatry gimmick to distract you from it's our disobedience to God. That's why our children are doing evil in plain sight of God. It's, 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 it's in the, oh, read the Bible. It's all there. I, I'm, I'm ramp Dave or TJ hop in. I, well, you know, since TJ didn't jump in, I'm going to take his spot. There's a couple things there, Jason, <laughs> I think are, <laughs> uh, that are really important. I, I have a different position on the MAGA folks, and and here's and here's why. There's there's two things I want to list out first. One of them is uh, the way that God has designed the world is really important for us to take in. He's designed the world in such a way that it's really slippery for the wicked. Now, unfortunately, God's people don't tend to know that or act like it, 
we seem to think that the wicked get traction in this world. But uh, TJ talked a little bit about this, and I'm going to say it a little way, a little different than he said it before, which is insanity long term is not a sustainable option. But unfortunately, Christians and the mega crowd seem to think that it is. And here's how I know that they seem to think it is, is because the left absolutely in every way outworks us. And if we believe that insanity is not sustainable long term, we know that they are going to fall. We know that the World Economic Forum cannot continue to exist. We know it's going to fall because that's the way that God's designed the world. But we don't really believe that. We think that people can be insane and then normalcy comes from it. That's not possible. And let me give you an example of this. Ayanna Presley, the Democrat uh, in Massachusetts, the representative out there. I just saw her on Taper's show, and you've probably seen the clip, where he asked her whether or not he thought that the border was secure. Now, I don't like Taper, but what made me most upset about this clip is that Ayanna Presley, uh, Ayanna Presley forced me to agree with Taper more than I wanted to. <laughs> she said, of course the border is secure. And this is a humanitarian crisis. And Taper's like, what is going on here? Of course, we've all seen that the border is not secure. This is not a humanitarian process. This is an unsecure border. And then she, he asked her like three times to try to explain it to her. And she said every time, no, the border is secure. And what ultimately made me upset was not that we had a bold, I'm sorry, a bald face liar up there talking to Taper. It was a problem that we didn't have anybody we didn't have anybody that was a conservative with enough guts and outworking ability to put her outside of the office when she decided to run. Where were our people let to beat her? We couldn't beat the bald faced liar. Why not? We didn't have a better candidate that looked even a, attractive to somebody on the other side because we were talking common sense. The problem isn't them so much as the problem is us. We refuse to work hard because we believe that the other side really does have some traction. If you are running a race and you know that your opponent is going to burn out at some point because they don't have the, 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 the wherewithal to compete and you know that you have that kind of tenacity to fight, why would you run half speed? You know they're going to burn out. You know they're going to fall away, but that's not how we're acting. We act like they got all the keys and all the things and, oh, we're left out here. And so the Republicans and the, especially the <laughs> mega crowd – they have a voice. They've always had a voice. The problem with them is the same problem we've been talking about this whole time, idolatry. There is an idolatrous attitude inside of the MAGA crowd that they got to get rid of. Stop being afraid. You serve the true and living God, so get to work. Outwork these people. We hear about TikTok. We hear about social media. We hear about platforms, and we spend most of our time complaining about stuff on those platforms instead of putting the kind of thing that transforms hearts, the gospel of Jesus Christ, into these platforms to work for us. They work for us. We have the kind of message that transforms the hearts of people, and we're afraid of TikTok? Get out of here. I can't work with y'all. I need people who understand, like Gideon, to me, that's like drinking with your face down in the water. That's what that's like to me. I want the kind of people that know that we have the kind of message. I mean, Jason, we used to be the kind of people that would sneak Bibles into communist nations to get the gospel of Jesus Christ to people because we knew if the gospel got in that the nation would be transformed. And so they made laws against us from coming in with Bibles because they knew that we had an effective message. And we have now become the kind of people that will shut down when our government tells us to. Where is the real problem at? They are outworking us. 
because they serve their false gods better than we serve the true God. To build off of what he's saying, you know, we need leaders bad, and that's part of the MAGA crowd. Part of my issue, I have the same issue Dave does with the MAGA crowd, and you could say I'm in the MAGA crowd even. But, Me too. Um, the, yes, the MAGA crowd is desperately looking for someone to tell them where to go, and we've picked a leader who I would say is not a godly man in Donald Trump. I think I do believe that God is using Trump, but I don't think that Trump is a godly man. And so uh, when we go back throughout history, the Revolutionary War, the Battle of Lexington and Concord, we had preachers who would lead their congregations into battle. They actually picked up arms and went and by, Jonas Clark, I think he had 77 members of his church, went and fought and chased the British out. You know, it, William Emerson had like 400 members of his church, said, we gotta go boys, and went and picked up arms and chased the British out. And that, that was our leadership before. And so this, mm. to bring it back to the Super Bowl thing, I'm like, we need leaders. Somebody tell us where to go. We got a lot of followers. I think God made a lot of followers there are not very many leaders. You're one of them. Hopefully Fearless is one of them. We have people out there. We need mm. to be telling people what Dave is talking about. Like, we can lead with the gospel. You, your you know, rant or show on idolatry on uh, February 11th, oh. February 11th yeah. will be the Super Bowl, oh. will be gospel-based, right? We yeah. need people mm -hmm. who are leading the charge back to the church and picking up arms, at least metaphorically, for now, against this corrupt culture. So, Dave, you first, and if Dave, TJ, you chime in as well. I want you to walk, because I think, I, I think I agree with you all's point about the MAGA crowd, but I want you to just clarify and, and explain it a tiny bit more so that even a baby can understand in, in terms of, because Dave, I hear you somewhat saying like the MAGA crowd is afraid to say what they really, really think out loud in public spaces or they've made Trump their leader and God rather than Jesus, than rather evangelizing about the true God and the true way. Just walk me through. I'm not saying I disagree because I think I may tend to agree, but I just want you to explain it a tiny bit more. Yeah. So there's a couple of things here. When when you have the leaders, particularly in America, when you have the kind of leaders like Ayanna Presley um, and, you know, uh, the squad, um, you, you pick it, whoever's representing you. you, you rightly deserve those kind of leaders because of whatever is internal to what you are doing. So you don't get that. If you have a pimple on your face, you got some sort of bloodstream that's bad that's manifesting that on your face. And we tend to think that, you know, we don't. Like they just came up there somehow and just appeared. They're, they are a resemblance of our effort and our work and our engagement and our homes manifesting itself out into the public. Now, the good news of that is long-term wickedness can't sustain itself. And so when we see something like Ayanna Presley or even the Super Bowl, for instance, for, for, for example, when we see stuff like that where the wicked seems like they're going to win, we should know that they're going to fail. We shouldn't know. When we see things like TikTok, and TikTok is absolutely rampant with all sorts of bad stuff, we should look at that and be like, okay, when wicked becomes consistent with itself, somehow that's representing us. So first we need to repent. Somehow what we see out there in society, in public, is a representative of what's in our homes. So our first step is to repent. 
Our next step is then to engage and say, how do we then go and deal with this issue? Well, the first steps are starting in my household. Where in my house, with myself, with my lack of governing my family, with my, my lack of governing my kids, where have I sinned at? What have I done that has helped manifesting this kind of culture? Repent there and then start working its way out. But what we tend to do, particularly with my MAGA crowd, is that we do a lot of complaining as if that what we see in front of us is sustainable long-term, and it's not. What we don't do, and very few of us do, is, and I'm speaking generally here, we don't engage in a whole lot of work. Jason, what you're talking about doing with the Super Bowl, I think is a fantastic idea. Because it's not just a boycott. And I think, I, so I just wanted to correct, it's not just a boycott. Because I first read it and I thought, oh, maybe it's just a boycott. No, no, no. We tend to think of boycotts and we think of negative, not filling. We need to create something that's beautiful to show the alternative. We win with not just being negative, but with adding something that's beautiful. Because that's the way that God made the world. And that is ultimately our argument. That God and his world and the way that he made things are more beautiful than anybody else's standard on things. And so you have one side of this with the Super Bowl that I think is like, okay, yes, let's have those shows that are creating content and entertainment that is awesome. But this is what I mean by the mega crowd. We can still buy Super Bowl ads. Well, why don't we? Where are the Christians saying, hey, I got the money. Let's buy a Super Bowl ad and make a beautiful family ad. Let's make a beautiful, we can hit both and we're not just limited to one side. So it's not like we don't have an opportunity to engage. We're just not working it. We don't have to just have a boycott. We can infiltrate. We can buy the Super Bowl ads. When, when the whole COVID shutdown happened here in, in 2020, my church went out and sung when they told us not to sing, when they told us not to go outside, when they told us that we couldn't fellowship. You know where we went? We went right down to the city hall and we sung there. And you know what happened? My friend Gabe Rinch was arrested. And that's okay because Christians know what to do in jail. We win everywhere. We get into jail and we start singing and the jail breaks out in revival. We are the contagious ones. We are not the ones to be afraid. And so many of my people in the conservative side are more afraid of TikTok and other social media and others and instead of us being like, wait, we're the contagious ones. We got the gospel. We're going to light this joker on fire because of the God that rolls with us. We got 300, but we're the most dangerous 300 out there. But when we are in judgment because of our idolatry, one of them will put a thousand of us to flight. And that's how they know that our God has left us. But when we are in fellowship with God and get the idols out of our own houses, out of our own lives, then five of us will put thousands to flight of them. And so that's what I mean. It's like we got to take the opportunities in front of us and work them. We got Christians with money. We got Christians that are creative. Let's take some of that Super Bowl ad time that we know people are going to be watching and let's infiltrate there while we make another great show for other people to watch, too. Let's hit them on both sides. Now, I disagree with that. I'm not spending any money on a Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I, I have no problem. Maybe next year money. after after we shake them down, after we pull the, the, the Christian conservative Al Sharpton and we shake them down and, and we get some of our content on the Super Bowl, then I might spend some money with them. Uh, I don't know, man. It'd be a good time. We're going to get a discount after the ratings come back real low. <laughs> We're going to have some make goods. You know, I have no problem spending money. They have no problem spending money in our circles. For our people, let me tell you right now, do you know that the um, 
the oh, what's the pharmaceutical industry is spending like it's three times outspending us here in conservative Idaho. They're outspending us. And that's why Idaho is going purple. They're just outspending us. If it's just money, then it's not a problem. We have something way bigger than just money. We're talking about souls on the line. And if we can save souls from spending millions of dollars, I'll do it every time, especially if I can take ground on it. I would. I don't think they would accept. That's fine. I, I, I don't, you know. Let, let them, yeah. let them make that some, the story. Then make there that was the story. last year yeah. something. He gets us. Excuse me? He gets us. He gets us. That, You're right. That was, was, was a part of the Super Bowl. <laughs> it was soft. That was sort of because they went with their immigration thing and all yeah. that. But, hey, but here's where I, I, I seriously. I'll, go ahead, Dave. Finish up. And I'll, I'm just I'll saying we, 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 can, we can be subversive, too. I mean, if we know that the most offensive thing is a woman keeping her child, then why don't we be subversive and make a beautiful ad of a woman keeping her child or a man marrying his wife and having children? Like, there's ways to be subversive that are still winning the game. They've been subversive for so long and snuck into all of Disney, and we we just now woke up in 2020. So uh, here's where I seriously agree with Dave to go back uh, two or three minutes. Uh, Isaiah 48:22 says there, there's no peace unto the wicked. They right. live in chaos 24-7. And so, and that's unsustainable. They can't do it. And, and this is what I talk about with the trans craze, right? We, we will have been here from day one saying, this is crazy, don't do it. This is crazy, do not do it. And those kids are going to grow up one day and they do transition. They're going to say, those Christians knew what they were talking about. And where did they get that wisdom? And that's, that's really mm-hmm. what we're looking for here. And, and his point about the MAGA crowd, Do you know the people that I have the most respect for in the MAGA crowd are all in jail right now? Amen. It's the January Mm. Sixers. Right. That's the people with the courage. Um, The rest of us, you could say me included, weren't there. We didn't show up when maybe it was time to show up. And there are even more people because you go look at the polling. This is why couldn't why why were the polls so far off in 2016? Because people were so afraid to tell their true values Mm -hmm. and say, "Nah, that dude as flawed as he is." That guy represents my values, at least when it comes to voting against Hillary Clinton. And we did the same thing in 2020. And so you got a lot of silent Trump voters that are scared to death to say, these are my real values, and that's why I'm voting this way. That is a problem. People not willing to live out their values. What do you mean? Speak them. Yeah, speak them. That's, that's the easy part. We, living them out way down the road. They won't even say, hey, I don't think you should murder your own children. I'm sorry. <laughs> mm. Won't even say it out loud. It, it's... Dave, you, you've given me a lot to think about. Uh, final thoughts? Yeah, I, one thought that I think is really important. Any victory attained without the church being central is a short-term victory. Worship is warfare. When we talk about idolatry, we're talking about worship. When we're talking about the cult, look, idolatry doesn't stay put. That's because worship doesn't stay put. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, then will I hear from heaven and heal their land. This is all based off of worship. In Revelation, when you look at worship, when it was going up, judgments were coming down from God. If we want to have victory in our culture and whatever we do, if we don't have worship rightly put, then we're not going to get it right. And God's plan for all of this is his church. Church is the essential part of the victory of the world, of the name of Christ. And if we don't have that foundation anchored and rightly placed, we're not going to have long-term victory. 
The one thing that I want to, you and TJ are talking about is that some people hear you all's argument of like, hey, the wicked, that won't last. That, that won't survive. And they hear that as, yeah, I ain't really got to do nothing. I'll just kick back and wait for that to peter out and destroy itself. And, and, and part of what I'm arguing is like, oh, no, it'll go on forever as long as we tolerate it and as long as we don't push back and as long as we don't correct. Empires collapse. Come on now. And that's the reason. And then a different group of wicked people may build something for that. But we will, will suffer. The reason we have to fight back is we will all suffer and go down with the ship as these wicked, wicked people take down the American empire. And that's what's going to happen if we don't step up and start spreading the gospel. Oh, there's two things. Dang. Amen. TJ just said. There's two go things ahead. there. Paul talks about this when he says uh, that we've forget, for, been forgiven for sin. We're justified by faith. We're righteous. Everything is good with us. But shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He said, God forbid. Just because we have victory doesn't mean that we be lazy. That's to make us work harder because we have it. Being lazy is not being faithful, which means you will actually be judged for that. So because you have victory, now you fight. And that's the way that we're supposed to engage. And the second reason why this is all toppled, why you don't have any more um, uh, dynasties in the world that are just conquering everybody, um, is because Christ is king now. It's his world. All authority in heaven and earth and heaven and earth has been placed in Christ's hand. He's the one ruling and reigning. So you won't have you'll have topple. They'll topple. They won't sustain themselves because of the way that Christ rules and reigns right now. But since he's ruling and reigning, we should get to work. There is a story about the talents. Remember the talents? The one who actually got the talent from his master wouldn't hit it. He's the one that said, you're a worthless servant. Don't be a worthless servant. Take what God has given you. Go build off of it so you can hand it to him and say, Lord, look what I've done for you. Dave, you're all going to join me on Super Bowl Sunday, correct? If you call me, I'm there, buddy. Perfect. Thank you, Dave. Great job. Thank you, Dave. Uh, that's the end of today's show. We'll have Tennessee Harmony tomorrow. That's tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom. No negotiation, my sister, no relation. We all just want to have freedom. Sitting on the corner, never been alone. I'm breaking my back for freedom. Bless, we are living, get back. We are receiving all the seed when we all want to be free. We want free.